Hey, thanks for queuing up the podcast. Before we jump into this episode, I just wanted to make you aware of three music marketing resources with an emphasis on one in particular. There's a good chance you're already familiar with my flagship title called the Gorilla Music Marketing Handbook and perhaps even the 5-Minute Music Marketer. Both of those titles are well worth your time, but I want to make you aware of another title that doesn't quite get the attention as those two do. And that one is called The Nine Irrefutable Laws of Music Marketing. I'm really proud of this book, and I think you would get a lot out of it. And basically what it covers is what I consider to be nine timeless principles of music marketing. So regardless of the new website, app, or tool, because they're always changing, as you know, these are principles you can apply no matter what. They're timeless. They tap into that eternal connection that people have with music and with music makers. So I think you would get a lot out of this book. It's available on Amazon in at least a dozen countries in both paperback and ebook formats. So go check it out. The Nine Irrefutable Laws of Music Marketing. And now, enjoy the episode. Welcome to part two of my interview with Lauren Elwell. She's an online personality at KC95, the longest running rock radio station in the world. Seriously. But the full interview with Lauren, who goes by Learn on air, took place back on February 24, when we actually met in person at a local studio here in St. Louis. Remember the good old days when you could meet people in person? In this final segment, we talk about the realities of commercial radio these days, as well as creative ways that musicians can still get on traditional radio. We also discussed ways to make a living with your voice, or at least reach people and make an impact using your unique perspective and your voice. But I start off by asking her what it's like to go out in front of thousands of people and introduce a well-known band at a radio station-sponsored concert. So here it is. Enjoy. You're used to being on a mic, but mm-hmm. you're in a studio like we are when there's no one there. There's yeah. no. It's, it's similar to, yeah, like when you do stand-up comedy, you get the immediate feedback, but as opposed to being in a studio, you're just hearing it after, you know, you don't get the, the immediate feedback. Right. Um, so what's that like going on a stage, being on a mic and hearing the, you know, the, the yells and the... Is that like a pretty awe-inspiring experience? Yeah, it is. It's, it can be very overwhelming, yeah. you know. Um, I Whenever I'm on the air, though, I always imagine who's listening. And so I always mm-hmm. have it in my, like, mind's eye that there's thousands and thousands of people listening to me right now. And that doesn't scare me. So mm-hmm. seeing everybody isn't overwhelming. But sometimes you'll walk out and you'll go, you know, all right, coming up next you know, Alice Cooper and people don't really care about you. They care about Alice Cooper. Yeah, so, they yeah. don't, you know, so it depends on what kind of scene you're in. But, um, yeah, I, I always love, I mean, everybody in radio, we're big hams, right? So like yeah. you get up on a stage and you feel perfectly fine where you're at. That's interesting that you said you visualize, uh, the person listening. I think that's really important. 
because um, I tend to do that well as an as an author when I'm writing. Yeah. Uh, I, I tend to I, I remember the times that I've been inspired. Uh, there have been many times in my life, yeah, when I was reading a book and something was just like like the, the light bulb went off that eureka moment. I remember there were times when I had to put a book down and I'd pace around the, the room and go, "Oh my God, I never <laughs> thought of it that that way." And I'm thinking, boy, if I could just even come close to having getting that experience, you know. Yeah. And so I think it's important that anyone is creating. Sometimes I guess if you think too much about the end user, you get out of the creative. It might intimidate some people, but in your but in radio in particular, you have to keep them in mind. I do, and Don't you? yeah, I really do. And it's very strange because my first for the morning and midday show that I used to host, I always had, I had probably like fifty people in my mind that I had really met that I knew were listening. Oh wow! Between interacting online or they would reflect on the show in different ways, and I I could picture these people in my brain. And then whenever I moved to afternoon drive. I that first I remember that first break I I didn't have anyone in my brain because mm. I it almost was like I didn't think that those people were still with me necessarily mm. but then I after I got that first break out of my way and I saw people that normally were with me in the morning did stay through the afternoon I thought oh they're here anyway and so it's really neat to do that and um and t- I think that's kind of a key to my success is being very personable yeah. people will say um I've had compliments that say when they listen to me on the air, they genuinely, they know it's genuine. They don't think that it's a put on or a persona because it's not like I'm, I might be a little more animated and happy if I'm having a bad day, but I am this energetic person that loves people. And they feel like you're talking to them as opposed to just announcing things. Um, And I think that that's also... Not that you do a lot of stuff on video that I'm aware of, of but I know that's the, that's, an, that's a factor that happens when somebody's uncomfortable looking to a camera and they're mm. just delivering lines as opposed to imagining someone's sitting, you know, sitting there and you're talking to a person. Right. Uh, it's a whole it's a level of comfort. It probably didn't come to you right at your first shift on the air. Probably you didn't have that. You probably had to ease into it, right? Right. Yeah, you had to find it. Yeah. Um, I, I've always been, like you asked the question about if music was a part of my growing up and everything. And I, I've never been a musician, uh, even though I'm in a band now. We'll get to that. But <laughs> yeah. I've always been, I've always loved a microphone. And I've always loved, I mean, even as a kid, I had like a little portable boom box that had a little spiral cord with a microphone and a tape player and I would just like talk to myself you know and I always loved that and I I love making people feel good or being somebody on the other end of somebody else that they could maybe hear you know because a lot of people that listen to the radio station sometimes there's people that that's the only voice that they hear every day oh wow and that's really both sad and also a great responsibility for people like me to go we need to make sure that everybody feels like they're not alone and that they're feeling understood. And that's where like personality comes through where I've had so many people and that's the best part about this job is they will say, Oh, I agreed with you on Mm -hmm. something or I didn't agree, but with you before, but now you explain it in a way that I understand. And that to me is like the coolest thing ever. That is cool. Um, so let's talk about, I guess, the realities that c- commercial radio. So a lot of my listeners are admittedly independent musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a lot of complaints over the years sure. about how commercial radio has changed. And especially, I don't think this applies to Casey because I don't think, because, but uh, there's a clear channel, which I guess is clear channel now, iHeartRadio. Yes. Okay. So this change, that's, that's the name of it mm-hmm. now. And the, you know, a lot of people refer to it as the evil empire yeah. and all this stuff. Now, Casey is owned by a different company. Smaller company called Hubbard. 
well, I want to talk about commercial radio in general, and then maybe yeah, how um, what freedom you have as as a um, as an on air personality. So is, is is that a better term than disc jockey these oh, yes, these days? Because no, yeah. I don't jockey many discs these <laughs> <Yeah>. days. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. There's no there's no discs. Yeah. So I like that yeah on air personality. But maybe maybe that's a question I could ask you. A lot of stuff is programmed. Mm-hmm. What what input do you have? Like for instance. I just realized on the way here that there's one of my favorite things on Keishi is is it still the daily dose of LZ yeah, at 5 p.m. That's right. That's now in the middle of your it is in your slot. I love Led Zeppelin. Oh, that's my so great. First major. Today's uh, the anniversary of Physical Graffiti, Bob. Oh, is it? Oh, yes. and I love that album. <laughs> it's oh, a man. great double album. Um, man, we can talk about Led. We do a whole show on Led Zeppelin <laughs> in my first concert. That that's a whole story. Oh, and so it, jealous. It, it, it is at the old arena. Or what input do you have on music selection? Very minimal. So okay. I pick out the Daily Dose, so you'll be happy to know that. Okay. Um, so and, I pick, and the Daily Dose is, just so for people who don't... Daily Dose of LZ is oh, at oh, 5 the, o'clock. Oh, okay, that's, that's the one I was just referring yeah. to. Yeah, oh, okay, okay, and sorry. so I get to pick out um, both songs, which is fun. Like today I... Um, had Black Country Woman from Physical Graffiti to commemorate the 45th anniversary. And then um, uh, then I had, oh, my gosh, from Led Zeppelin to What Is and What Will Never Be. And okay. so I got to pick those out. And then um, I have a feature right at the end of my show, right as people are apparently leaving this, you know, the radio and not listening anymore. Uh, it's called Exit 90, and it's, um, it's my generation's 90s music. And so I get to leave... Everybody, okay. as I'm walking out the door, I leave them with a song that they haven't heard on Keishi in years. Oh, wow, okay. And it's really fun. And it's it, even even though it's at the very end of my show, it's probably my favorite thing I've ever done on the radio because it's I get to pick it and curate and talk about why, and I just That's love sweet. that. So, and, and it's from the 90s, specifically, the 90s. which speaks to your generation, yeah. maybe more so. And so, well, that's so that's cool. So, really, it's three songs, three songs, three songs in an entire in an entire shift. So, let me ask. In the, in the decade or, or close to a decade that you've been on, an on-air personality, can you think of ways, are there any, like, clever or uh, ways that, that, that independent ba- or bands who are not signed mm-hmm. have been able to get on the air? And I'm thinking of things like, has anyone ever come into the studio and maybe performed live? Or maybe somebody comes up with a seasonal song or a mm-hmm. song about the local sports Definitely. team. They wrote, like, a jingle about you and were able to get – can you think of examples like that where – is there still any possibility coming into the side door? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I, I, I would never say that. I think that the possibilities are endless. Mm-hmm. They've obviously gotten a little tighter as life has gone on. But, T- I, totally. you yeah. know, I, I think that both for commercial radio, I mean, that, that's why there's such great independent radio stations like KDHX, like in St. Louis, mm-hmm. where it is. That's where independence lives on yeah. that station. Um, but, yeah, jingles, people um, – sometimes we need things as shows. I would say specifically like the morning show, sometimes they need something like a parody song or mm-hmm. um, maybe there's an idea that a band has that they want to do to give to the morning show because they have a segment that's so funny that they think they can write an opener a song better than what we've come up with as people – just making it ourselves, you know, with yeah. tracks. And um, so I think the possibilities are endless there. Like, I always think about Howard Stern um, has—so his co-host Robin, people that listen to that show will submit these really uh, <laughs> vulgar, perverted songs. But nonetheless, they're very creative right? Um, to talk about Robin, and they've pieced together her saying things, and they— they sing on it and stuff. I think that's hilarious. So there are definitely avenues for things like that in terrestrial commercial radio still. I just think that maybe independent artists sometimes feel like 
that's below them and that they yeah. don't necessarily okay. want to cater to that. And I totally get it. But at the same time, it's kind of like we have Casey has iconic songs that I don't even, I couldn't even tell you who wrote them. Like we have the Leonard Skinner song, which is every Leonard Skinner title. This guy is singing it to a banjo and the whole thing starts out. Can you play some Leonard Skinner, please? And it's like, bow, 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 bow. Mm-hmm. Um, we have that. And then we had a guy write a song for Don, the legend, which is a, a character on the morning show that's been around since the eighties. And he does golf tips and he's really okay. vulgar. So those are some examples. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, but I feel like it's a thing of the past, and I wish maybe more uh, okay. people would maybe try yeah. those things. It's a little, days. admittedly, it's a little gimmicky. In fact, it's something that I've done myself because, in addition to doing improv and I've done, you know, acting and theater like you have, but I also did stand up comedy for a while. And since I'm a musician, I used my guitar and I was known for song parodies. And so back in the 90s and or in 2000s, or more so, more so in the 90s. Yeah, I got on lo- some local morning shows. That's I won't great. even name them. <laughs> but, <laughs> but doing parodies and silly songs and things I'm probably embarrassed that I did back then. No, that's wonderful. <laughs> um, but, it, but some of those got a lot of exposure. Yeah. You know? So in your, and I don't know if you if you are, if you've lived inside the bubble of Casey and this you know this monolith that maybe I don't know how much you're aware of other opportunities, but for let's say you're an independent musician, mm-hmm. what would you recommend that people do to get exposure? And I know radio is just is not the only thing anymore. It used to right. be it used to be the main way to get your you know, but now there's so many other digital options. But I'm just your thoughts from a your yeah. perspective. I think that it's important to continue to try to connect with the program directors and the the music directors at radio stations. Mm -hmm. The bigger the station, the harder it's going to be. But I think that each station is a stepping stone to wherever, you know, you got to keep that goal in mind. So like trying to get um, independent music on Casey, it has happened and it has happened in the last decade. Like I remember Favaz, uh, who is now co-hosting Mornings with John, he uh, was a great gateway into getting into the program director's office because he was the first gate. So he would listen mm-hmm. to it. And if it was sounding cachey, you know, uh, hard rock, something that's catchy, something that maybe sounds a little reminiscent of these iconic bands that started it all, that would probably be something that we would look into and say, okay, this is a smaller band. Like, um, like Shaman's Harvest comes to mind. Like, they're a small Missouri band right. that uh, got landed on Casey and a couple of other bigger stations because they just had that grit and that rock sound that was big at that time. And mm. and then now they're signed and they, they made it happen. Um, same thing with, like, bands like Greek Fire, uh, which Moon, who is the lead singer of that band, he works at The Point. And so it's it's essentially having that human connection and still making, you know, taking that dive into sending an email or sending a demo or meeting with somebody, asking somebody to go out to lunch with you and, and talk about your music. I don't know. The whole schmooze part of the whole thing. Yeah. And it's all about it's also all about relationships. A, a big part of my I mean, you, this is probably one part of my life that you don't know about is the, my, the author part. When, and I've written many books over the years for decades on, on the topic of music marketing, uh, the guerrilla music marketing handbook being one of the uh, my most <laughs> kind of prominent uh, titles. And so I've uh, yeah dealt with this topic a, a a lot and and yeah and, and so I my I stress that the artist fan relationship mostly yeah but uh, it's also that relationship with people in the industry too sure. who can help you and are who are who are gatekeepers yeah, to a yeah. wider audience just getting to know the people then it can even be podcasters or bloggers Absolutely. or whatever the same thing applies and speaking of that you have a podcast that I don't know much about yeah and you, you, you still you're actively 
yeah. putting out ep- episodes. Tell me about what's that called and what's it, what's the topic and where can people find it and all that so good stuff. So it's called Live and Learn, Learn spelled like my name. And uh, it's essentially a podcast, a conversational interview style. Oh. Uh, it, I have two episodes that come out a month. So it's not very – there's not a lot of traffic because I, I don't do it every week or anything like that. It's, it's on the 6th and the 20th of each month is when a new episode will drop. Oh, wow. And um, I make sure to uh, – it's always male, female, male, female. So uh, for months, like for the month of March, it will be two females because February was two male guests that I had for the episodes. And I really don't – I didn't want to – I wanted to be very uh, forthright in making sure that neither sex took over the guest registry of my podcast. I wanted to get equal time for men and women. And um, and so we talk about everything. Uh, I just recently interviewed a local printmaker named Tom Huck, who's quite renowned. He's done um, mm. album artwork for the band Motorhead, and he's done really incredible things. He used to teach at Washington University, and he's nuts. He's absolutely fantastic human being to know, like the epitome of rock and roll in a human. And um, so he's a good friend, and I have we drank whiskey and we talked <laughs> about his art and his life cool. uh, but then this week I'm actually my mom will be my guest for March 6th so I'm interviewing my mom so it's like quite, it goes from quite personal to people that are renowned yeah. um Lizzie this- Hale of Hailstorm is my was my first guest so she's like Probably the most famous guest I've had. Oh, wow. And so it's totally an interview show, yes. obviously, obviously. And you do these both in person and in, and over Skype? And, I, and all that, I yeah. do them only in person. I, um, oh, okay. So I, I was just recently interviewed on a podcast via Skype literally last week that I had never done that before. And I was quite uh, apprehensive because I didn't think it would come through very well. Like, yeah. I like to be in front of people and talking. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Cool. So and, and so and that's called Live and Learn? Live and Learn. And it's available on you know, like Apple and, yep. and Spotify. Yeah, I'm, I'm amazed at how uh, much Spotify has come on in the uh, podcasting, the spoken word realm. They're, right. they're really like investing in uh, just being an audio destination. And when I check my stats lately, it's close to half the people listen to my podcasts on, on Apple, which mm-hmm. used to be iTunes, but it's Apple Podcasts now. Um, and then like 40% are Spotify. Right. And then the rest is developed, is, is, is just distributed amongst the, um, the others. Um, Let's just re- briefly talk about this new this new uh, band thing. So yes. I, I, I was happy to know because of my improv class inspired you to ex- broaden your horizons, and you got this crazy notion to to sing in a band. <laughs> yeah, so I I can't play an instrument at all, and I can't read music, and so I have never been a great candidate to be in a band because mm-hmm. I feel like I'm I have uh, you know I don't have all the goods, but I I've been told by very well known musicians in St. Louis that your voice, your speaking voice, has something that we think maybe you could be a singer. And I thought that was like the coolest compliment anybody could give me ever. And so I sing at home and never thought anything of it. And I have no problem being in front of people and dancing and getting people energized. It's what I do. Mm. And so a good friend of mine who I worked on a TV commercial with, he he was a drummer and he had a band uh, that their lead singer had to quit because she, I believe, had a child and wanted, obviously, that's more important. Mm-hmm. And so um, he was looking for a lead singer to audition. And he remembers whenever we worked on this commercial that I had said something about, oh, you're in a band. I think that's so cool. I wish I could be in a band. Mm-hmm. Literally kept this in his hat for years and then emailed me out of nowhere and said, hey, do you want to come audition for our band? We need a new lead singer. Wow. And I thought, and this is where you came in. I thought, 
I've done this improv class and I challenged myself in a way out of my comfort zone. Yeah, I, I'm going to yes say and. yes and. Yes and. I love yeah. it. Oh, my God. And so I went to this uh, guy's house, Richard, and who's our bassist, and tried out in his basement. And mm-hmm. I had no idea what I was doing. And I was very upfront about that. But also I, I was very comfortable and loved it. And they could tell and they gave me some pointers. And they said, we want you to come back next week. And so I've been practicing with them every week since September. And wow. um, we had our first show in January. And we're getting ready to have our second show this weekend, which is so much fun. Yeah. So what's, what's the name of the band? The band is called Lane Narrows. Lane Narrows. Mm-hmm. Like a lane narrowing. Yes. Okay. And what's the style of the music? We or? are a cover band. Yeah. Although we don't like to say cover. We're like a, um, we put our own spin on songs you would know. So we we have Jefferson Airplane and yeah. Fleetwood Mac and Tom Petty and all those. So they tend to be classic Absolutely. classic yeah. oriented which falls into the stuff that you've been your ears have been bombarded right. with. Um, <laughs> so that's awesome. Well congratulations. Thanks. I'm really happy about you and I am serious. I want to talk to you about this acoustic 80s thing. If okay. you want to uh, just one or two songs and come whenever <laughs> I do a, a gig that would, that would be if you want another uh, uh, a challenge av- avenue because <laughs> um, uh, yeah that's something yeah the 80s was a, definitely a uh, an, an influential year or deck year. <laughs> it was a whole year. <laughs> it was a long year, uh, <laughs> decade for me. And I love, I love uh, mimicking the the singers from that era. Um, so that's cool. A podcast, a new band. Um, so there's last thing I just want to ask is like you have basically made a living out of using your voice mm-hmm. uh, to impact people, to reach people through their ears. You know, and I think there's a lot of ways to apply that. Uh, I've done it myself. I, I actually a friend of mine interviewed me. A friend of mine in Toronto as a a new podcast called Audio Branding. It's all about, it's like for voiceover talent, you know? Okay. But she she wanted to interview me, and and it made me realize, preparing for the show and doing that interview, how much my voice has played a role in many things that I've done, from being on stage to doing podcasts. I think you probably know my YouTube channel has just blown up in recent years doing uh, uh, spoken word like affirmations yeah. and guided meditations where people, they're not seeing me, uh, they're, but people around the world by the tens of thousands listen to me every morning to inspire them, you know, yeah. um, for, on topics like abundance and gratitude and, prosper- and and success and confidence and all that sorts of stuff. So I'm really intrigued lately in particular about how – so if there's someone out there that says, I think I have – I want to use my voice. What are your – from your perspective being in this field, uh, advice on how to pursue that as a livelihood? I would um, I would just pre- – I would just talk. I, 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 <laughs> I really just – you know, because I think about how interpersonal communication is so strange these days because we are all interpersonally connected, but it's through a device normally. So Mm. people are listening to you via YouTube, whether they're watching it on their phone or a computer or TV. Mm. And then, um, you know, I think that getting out there and using your voice for something where it's, uh, it's as simple as like, I think the meditation and, and that sort of spoken word, like I used to do stand up spoken word poetry back in college where I would get up and talk, you know, and that was using my voice in a live setting with words I had written down. And so I knew where I had a guide, what I was going to say and how I was going to say it. But I also, I mean, this is kind of weird, but I, when I'm in my car by myself, I will, I, I talked to myself and I, I will like on the way here, I was thinking about how this was going to go. And mm-hmm. I was talking out some things with myself that could possibly come up. And it, it's kind of a thing that I do to alleviate any sort of tension that I might have about 
how you know the unknown yeah, yeah. but also it just calms me down in a way that makes me feel like oh you got this and oh interesting and i wasn't i was an only child for 13 years before my sister was born and i would play with i would like play dolls or i would i would be active as a kid by myself mm-hmm. you know my parents were at work and i would have to play and and entertain myself and so i guess all of that in some sort of ball of madness has created me to be this person that doesn't mind talking to herself with a microphone to thousands of people. Yeah. You know, um, and so I guess just maybe the first thing to do would be check in with yourself and talk to yourself. That sounds really crazy, but no. do it. And then and then listen to your voice and hear yourself. Because that when you first hear it or hear it or recording yourself, it's it's, un- it's, it's like, oh my God, it's I can't that's very not uncomfortable. Me. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. And get and, that out of the way. And get that out of the way. Yeah, yeah. And then also I would suggest people Think back to when you did public speaking classes if you're older or if you're in college or coming up into college or whatever you're going to do. Those speaking classes really helped me. Mm. And and classes like improv yeah, yeah. helped me find a flow to myself, you know, just in that short period of time. And I all of that collaborates with who you are, what your voice sounds like and is and and understand how you sound talking to people mm-hmm. and find out where your strengths are and then and then capitalize on that in whatever way that means, yeah. like financially or socially or whatever yeah, that yeah. is. Could be some conversations at parties. Yeah. Could be starting your own podcast on yes. a topic that you're passionate about. Maybe you are good enough to be a voiceover talent where you're never on the on the air. But Well, you, may, you might be on the air through a commercial or through a, a voiceover that gets into an instructional video or something. Or, I mean, yeah. honestly, I one goal I have for myself is mm-hmm. I want to do an audio book for someone. Oh, okay. I would love to voice an audio book someday. And, so, and set little goals like that for your yourself. Um, and there's so many avenues out there to get paid for that or have that experience to put on your resume yeah. or into your brain. And there's so many amazing opportunities out there. Cool. Well, Lauren, this has been amazing. I had I knew that would, uh, the time would fly by. We've had we no short, shortage of things to talk about. Um, but we're going to wrap this up now. So where can where if people are interested, uh, is there any links you like to put me in the show notes or send people to if they want to find you? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, social media is probably the best place because yeah, that's yeah. where everything is. Uh, but I will say KC95.com is where you can find me for everything. But also on Twitter, at Learn Versus Radio, Instagram, at Learn underscore FM, or at Learn Radio on Facebook. And those I, I'm available in an, any sort of way if anybody has questions or wants okay, cool. to know more. And of course, that spelling of Learn does not include an A. It's right. L. E-R-N. You got it. Learn. Um, so, Lauren, thanks a lot. This has been a real joy. I wish you continued success. And Thank you. I have a feeling we're going to be, co- be collaborating on some 80s music or maybe an <laughs> audiobook, too. Yeah, Ooh, Bob. You just never I'll voice know. your books. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Bob. Bye.